You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Power of Why podcast with your host, Jeanette Collazo. Today, I want to talk about something that blew my mind. You don't understand. I fainted. I called 911. They rescued me. And then I decided to record this episode. Yeah, me and the drama. But it is so incredible because it's something that I've been seeing in organizations like forever. And who would have known that the CIA had published a document and a manual on all of these things? It's mind-blowing. And I'm going to start by telling you what it's about. Okay, so in 1944, 1944, the CIA wrote a handbook on how to sabotage, of course, an enemy, how to sabotage organizations from the inside. So basically, what they wanted or what they wanted to share is, look, if we're going to infiltrate organizations because they're our enemies, these are the steps that we need to follow to make sure that we are successful destroying the organization. Okay, so one thing that I've learned when I investigate human error and when I work with organizations improving processes is precisely identify what's causing, right, the root causes of things. We don't learn that much from what it is. We learn a lot more from what it's not. And I think these are the root causes of why organizations destroy themselves. And I call this, I have a term for this. I call it the Alka-Seltzer syndrome, in which the organizations actually continue to do things and destroy themselves. They evaporate themselves all the way to where you don't have anything left anymore. And that's why I thought this was fascinating because this will give us a lot of information on things that happen every day, but we don't know that we it, that it's actually working against the organization. So I'm going to go through some of them. Oh, one thing that I want to mention, I got this information from a post in LinkedIn. I copied the the content. I look further for in, you know for information on the manual and so on, but I cannot find the post, the original post that I found to give credit. So if you are the one that wrote this post, then let me know so we can incorporate the credit here. But at the end of the day, everything is based on this manual, but it was a very good summary. So it says, number one, insist on doing everything through channels. Never permit shortcuts to be taken in order to expedite decisions. So all this hierarchy or these channels that you need to follow those are part of parts of the things that the CIA would do. Create all these channels because what happens is that the information actually gets lost in translation. Think about the telephone. Think about all those things that we can compare. And you will notice that when there are many channels that have to go through to get to a particular objective, most of the time the information is not correct. There are mis in the information that were requested, there are mistakes in communication and so on. So yeah, if you want to continue to destroy the organization, create more channels. No problem. The more, the merrier, says the, the CIA. Then the second one, make speeches 
talk as frequently as possible and at great length. Yes, those meetings. And everybody wants to let everybody know about what they're thinking, those long speeches and just waste time and just carry on, do the show. All of these things I see over and over again in meetings. And actually, it's interesting because, and this is something that I have discussed before, you know, when you're in a meeting and somebody says something that you agree with, yeah, you go like, well, yes, you know what? I agree also because of this and this and this. And usually we repeat what the other person said. But then then somebody else says, I agree with them both because of this, of this, of this. And it's basically the same information. So these are the kinds of things that happen that we don't do it on purpose, of course, that eventually create these type of scenarios that are not necessarily the ones that we want in a successful organization. Number three, when possible, refer all matters to committees for further study and consideration, analysis, paralysis. Everybody, let's make one committee to create the committee that's going to take a look at the information from other committees that also fall under the committee of committees. So yes, this is very similar to what we see often. So attempt to make committees as large as possible never less than five. So if you want a team to work, they should be not that many members. But if you want the team to become almost impossible to work, then, you know, put 15 people in that team. And this we see often and often. So they say no less than five because you want to create, you know, confusion as much as possible. Number four, Bring up irrelevant issues as frequently as possible. Look, I call deja vu meeting. When we had meetings in the organization, and I see often this happens all the time, you have like, for example, a weekly meeting. But then that meeting happens. Everybody, you know, makes their speeches, creates the committees, all, you know, do all of these things. And then, you know, it's adjourned. We have some minutes, whatever. Then the next meeting we are going to follow up on the previous activities. And most of the times, you know, I could not finish because of this, of that. And then we come again and then we do the same to-do list. And this happens over and over again. I call this deja vu meetings, meaning that isn't this the same meeting we attended last week? Well, yes. So bring irrelevant issues as frequently as possible. Okay, another thing that they say is that you want to haggle over precise wording of communication minutes resolutions. Okay, so, you know, just make things that are simple, just complicate them. We see this all the time. Again, we don't do it on purpose, but it does happen. And this is fascinating. Okay, so number six. Refer back to decide, refer back to matters decided upon at the last meeting and attempt to reopen the question of the advisability of that decision. So, you know, even when you solve the problem, then you can, what they would do is like, let's bring that problem again. And this is one thing that I've noticed also. Sometimes issues are resolved, but then somebody has like, you know, I have this other concern. And even though we do want to have those conversations, we have to be very careful that we are not reopening things that were already resolved. There is a time and there is a moment in which you have to close for comments. You have to close for changes and just move forward with it. Unless, of course, it's something that really deserves that second or third or fourth or fifth look. Okay. Demand written orders. 
So if you want to delay the process, if you want to complicate things and you want to, especially when there's, you know, time sensitive type of situations, then you want to demand written orders. And this is something that I see all the time because people, especially middle management, they're not that comfortable making decisions. And I, in the last episode, I talked about discernment and decision making and, you know, the analysis of information. And this was one of those things that I mentioned that companies or, or middle management sometimes they don't feel comfortable making decisions, so they request authorization for the authorization so I can authorize. And those are the types of things that refer this. If I demand written orders for every little thing that I'm going to do, then of course, everything is going to be delayed. So what I'm trying to say is that as we cover all of these things, what you want to do is the opposite of what the CIA says that we have to do, because again, the CIA does it to sabotage organizations. Okay. Another one is to consciously misunderstand orders, ask endless questions or engage in long correspondence about such orders. You don't know how many times I see emails that are like the reply of the reply and you can continue all the way down. It's like five minutes scrolling, <laughs> five minutes scrolling to the beginning of the, of the correspondence, but that's exactly what's happening. It's endless questions. And engaging in long correspondence, so you delay the process, right? Do everything possible to delay the delivery of orders. Even though parts of an order may be ready beforehand, don't deliver it until it's completely ready, okay? So, meaning reach for perfection, and that means that you won't be able to finish because perfection is not going to be, you can get very close, but at some point we need to know when is it that we need to stop. So you want to, even if you have a work that has been done before, you want to stop there and you want to delay the process. So as you see, sometimes in organizations, what we do is that we don't work on having things beforehand and trying to expedite those processes. And that's exactly why the CIA does this, because that affects the organization. In making work assignments, always sign out the unimportant job first, okay? So what they say is don't prioritize, or if you're going to prioritize, then take the least important thing so there is work that's being done, even though nothing is being accomplished. And that's another thing that we see all the time. There are many ways of managing your time and prioritizing. So what you want to do is always, you know, choose the most important and urgent matters, and on the, the ones that are not that concerned sequential later. But that's why they say, look, no, what we want you to do is take care of what's not important because that will destroy the organization. Because while we're taking care of these things that are not that important, and believe me, it happens, all of these important things are being ignored and nothing is going to happen. Another one, this is 111. I'm, I know I'm not counting, but you know, bear with me. So, Insist on perfect work in relatively unimportant products sent back for refinishing those which have the least flaw. Approve other defective parts whose flaws are not visible to the naked eye. This is very dangerous. And I'm sorry that I'm sharing this, but because there is people that actually do this on purpose, not just the CIA. Okay. So when there is sabotage in our organization, you will know it. You will know it because it will be very evident, especially when you investigate and you certainly can say, look, there was no reason for here to make a mess for this, for this to happen. And uh, the consequences were known. It's a repeated event. So you have to be very careful about this. But we have to talk about this because we don't do it on purpose. 
We don't do it on purpose. We do it because we think we are doing things very, you know, correctly and doing the best that we can. And without knowing, we fall into these traps that are the ones that are going to, you know, again, Alka-Seltzer or your organization. And we don't want that. When training new workers, give incomplete or misleading instruction. Okay, so they do it on purpose. Now, how is it that it happens in the organization? Well, when you have misleading SOPs or you have misleading instructions, incomplete instructions, you have not human engineered instructions, you're basically doing the same thing. Because when you have procedures and you have instructions and they have been developed to make sure that people can be successful when they do their job, then the information should be clear, should be human engineered, should be consistent. So when we don't pay attention to these details, basically we are doing what the CIS does, that you want to train people in, you know, incomplete instructions, misleading instructions, and that destroys certainly any type of organization. To lower morale and with it production, be pleasant to inefficient workers, giving them undeserved promotions. Discriminate against efficient workers, complain unjustly about their work. Okay, so this is very interesting because if you want to lower morale, what you want to do is, you know, basically just give you know, like gifts or give gifts for bad behavior. This happens all the time. For example, if I don't trust a particular employee and I need this work to be done, I might ask one employee, which is very good to work overtime so I cannot deal with this other person that it's get, going to get me in trouble. So what, what happens is that you end up rewarding poor performance as opposed to, you know, rewarding good performance. And that's exactly what they want you to do. They, they want you to select the goods from the bats. But in our reality, we should be giving more rewards for people that do a good job as opposed to just ignoring them. I wrote a long time ago, I wrote an article named entitled The Organizational Firefighter. And the reason why I wrote that is because when I was working in the industry, this is something that I heard all the time. You know, it's like, good morning. How are you? How, how's been your day? Oh, I've been firefighting all day. And then another one. Hi, how is your day? I'm, you know, stopping fires all the time. And I remember that when I wrote that article was because I was going through a process of performance evaluation for my team. And I wanted to give a very high score to one of my, one of my employees because she was so good and she would, you know, get the job done, not on time, but before and all of that. But when I went to this calibration, meeting, then everybody was like, but we don't know who she is. She can't be that good if we don't know her. Well, that's the moment in which I said, well, that's the reason why people might create fires so they can put them up, put them out so I can be successful. Because if I don't, if I'm not involved in a problem, you don't know who I am then I'm going to create a problem, maybe unconsciously, so I'm going to do it. And that's very, very common. So be very careful with those that you don't know about because they haven't given you a reason to know about them. All right. Hold conferences when there is more critical work to be done, you know, town halls or these meetings that sometimes they are necessary and they're important, but sometimes they're not. But if you want to waste time, then be my guest. Multiply paperwork in plausible ways. 
So you want to create more activities. This is very common in the pharmaceutical industry with GMPs that we have to have documentation for every little thing that we do. If you're going to take a step, you have to write, I'm going to take a step. Then you write, I took a step and somebody else verifies that you took a step. So even though that's very necessary for critical processes like additions and analytic calculations and all of that, sometimes we create more steps just because we think the more steps the better of the quality and not necessarily that's going to work like that. So we have to be very careful about that. Apply all regulations to their last letter. Yes, you want to comply and you want to make sure that everything is covered, but you want, I have seen organizations, and this is an example that I have. I worked in an organization that had a consent decree. And of course, it was a very dangerous consent decree. And there was a lot of, you know, legal issues being, you know, studied. And the FDA was going very hard on the organization. And and there were two sites. I worked in one of them, but there was another site close by. And the second site that worked with that consent decree ended up closing after the fact because they wanted to follow the regulation so strict, so perfect that to manage production, you know, it was costing more than the product it was being, it was be, it was being produced. So we have to be very careful that we don't overdo it. You want to make sure that you comply and that you have everything, but you have to also understand that it is a business and these little things that might be way too much or unrealistic, you have to be very careful with them. Do your work poorly and blame it on bad tools, machinery, equipment. So this is very common when we do, you know, humanitarian investigations in which you want to make sure that people do their job correctly, but then you have to be very careful what is it that you are blaming it, okay? For example, there was a client not long ago that wanted me to work with psychological elements from that create situations for for human error. Now, the problem with this is that I cannot go and do therapy. That's not what organizational psychologists do. We don't do that. We don't work with the individual. We work with the collective behavior. And most of the times, collective behavior is precisely the behavior that the organization is designing. Okay, so if you want me to work with people's psychology, I can provide a lot of information that will help people self-regulate and guide their performance towards the right actions or guide their behaviors toward, towards the right actions, but I cannot change human condition. So it's not like I can go there with the solutions and then, yeah, you know, I have this vaccine for mistakes here, 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 here. It's not going to work like that. If I am having issues paying attention, then there must be something that it's distracting me. And that's why I have to look at the organization because I cannot change human condition, but I can change the conditions in which humans work. And that's what I want to do. So don't expect that you hire me and I go into a room with all the employees and after me, you know, sending, you know, magic spells that everybody is going to be paying attention and not being distracted and forgetting to do things without you changing anything in the way you do your work. And that's sometimes what clients don't understand. It's you. It's you. It's your process. It's your procedure. It's your administrative and management systems is its systems. It's you. And that's very good because that means that you can solve it. 
I mean, if you fire everybody today and hire everybody tomorrow and you don't change the way you do things, you are going to have exactly the same results. So we cannot just say, Jeanette, come here, do some magic trick, and then that's going to be fixed. No, we have to look at the process because there is a reason for people to do everything that we do. There is a reason for us to do it. All right. Never pass on your skill and experience to a new or less skillful worker, meaning don't coach, don't, you know, don't develop anybody else. And that's why organizations create these succession planning and individual development plans and all these things. So people can learn and this coaching organizations have to give time to supervisors and experts to be able to coach to clone themselves, because that's the main reason why knowledge disappears from the organization. You have somebody that has been working with you the last 15 or 20 years, and you never immortalize that knowledge, meaning, you know, you never documented how the person does their job. And yes, you have procedures, but there is always an art associated to it. That's the experience. And you have to immortalize that information. And that's why you want to coach others. You want to create even formal, you know, development plans that are intended not only for me to develop others, but so I can keep the knowledge that I already paid for because it's my organization and the mistakes that already happened, we already paid for also, and you learn. I need that information. And People are willing to do that. So yes, make sure that you, that you as part of your design, put in place coaching processes and all of that so we can get that, you know, experience and seasoned worker transferred to others in the organization. Make mistakes when filling out information and so they need to be corrected. In this case, I don't think that I see this a lot. You know, people making mistakes on purpose to, to, you know, to, have to do over, you know, documentation. What does happen is that we design very poor documents and then we don't have any other choice than to make mistakes because I don't have enough space to write because I, I need five digits and you gave me four spaces. Those type of things do happen. So of course you don't want to make mistakes there. So you want to work with that. Give lengthy and incomprehensible explanation when questioned, like just stall. I see this in meetings all the time, especially when we're discussing a KPIs. It's more the excuse of why we didn't achieve it and the explanations than the actual talking or the actual thinking about how we can get this done. So this, and the thing is that the management requires these long explanations. They, they actually motivate you to come up with a dissertation on why it didn't work. <laughs> And, and then our metrics are all based on failures. Why it didn't work? Why do we have overdue documents? Why do we have overdue procedures? And you know, how many investigations? So we always measure what we do wrong. So in those cases, my job as management is to explain why that happened. And that's precisely what's going to keep you actually creating more opportunities for making mistakes. Because when you ask for explanations, you're going to get an explanation, not a solution. Not a solution. Of course, we want to learn from past experiences, but you don't want to dwell on these things. It's like, okay, this happened. Let's move forward. What did we learn? Okay, let's move forward. What are we going to do now? How can we do this in a way that it doesn't happen again? Whatever it takes. Sometimes management does not want to hear it because sometimes what we need to do to fix things take time and take work. 
for example, revalidation of processes. I've happened to me. You know what people, why people are making mistakes? Because when you validated that process, based on the expert that was validating the process with you, you didn't need 10 minutes. But when you finally validated the process and you started working with a person that it's not a subject matter expert, it takes more time than that. And we have noticed over and over again that it doesn't matter if we spent 10 minutes doing this mix or 15 because we keep doing that 11, 12, 13, 11, 12, 13. And there is always no impact to the batch when you do the investigation. So maybe, just maybe, Maybe the tolerance is what's not the correct one. And in those cases, what we recommend is you have two choices or everybody at the site needs to have the same level of experience and expertise. And then we don't need to do anything else. Or if you want to work with the average worker, the average mechanic, not everybody's a star or not everybody has been here for 20 years, then in those cases, you might want to revalidate. Yes, it takes time, it takes money, but the expectation is unrealistic. And if it's unrealistic, you have to manage expectations. So as you see, it was very interesting, very, very interesting how we, without knowing, are working with the exact same techniques that the CIA in 1944 invented to destroy organizations. Isn't it terrifying? For me, it is. And, and after this experience that I had with this information, I'm going to start looking for more, how can you do to destroy this or that? Because it seems like understanding that is what's going to tell us, wait, we should you know expedite this on a needed basis. We should have that flexibility in the organization. We should be able to design documents in a way that it's going to avoid mistakes. We have to coach our people. If you see, you just do a hundred percent of the opposite of what the CIA does, and you're going to have a successful organization. I hope this helps. I wish that this helps because it will help me a lot with my clients. So thank you so much for listening. This is the Power of Why podcast. Until next time, take it away. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.